Hey, this is Mike from Theology on Mission podcast. Only one announcement this week. Dr. Michael Gorman will be coming to Northern Seminary from September 23rd to September 24th. He will be delivering our annual Theology and Mission lectures. So if you are in Chicago, Chicagoland, or if you want to travel, we would love to have you on campus. We're excited to get people back together in person as Dr. Gorman delivers our lectures this year. There also will be a uh, remote online option and I'll include registration in the show notes. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. I don't know, Mike Moore's taken me a little time to get into the mood for this podcast. Yeah, I, I started the music too early, didn't I? No, you can never be too early with the music. <laughs> Do you think that at your funeral, they'll play this song? Um, <laughs> Moore, what's the deal? <laughs> I know I'm getting old, but dude, I just, what's... I just know how much you like this song. <laughs> this will be playing and then it is well with my soul. <laughs> uh, more like to God be the glory. Great Give song. me some uh, great yeah. song. Yeah, that's an oldie from Andy Crouch, Ooh. 1971. Andy Crouch, the musician, not Andy Crouch, the writer. Uh, for me, there is no other Andy Crouch. No, just, <laughs> just kidding, Andy, if you're listening. Uh, well, it's good to be back here at Theology on Mission podcast, the place where we sort out theological issues for mission, for culture, for Christ and his kingdom. Are you glad? Well, we're not really back. It's in the middle of the yeah. summer, but are you glad to be in a room together? I am glad to be in a room together. Yeah. And we're not even social distancing. We don't even have any masks on. That's we're in right. Illinois where... 98% of the people are either vaccinated or mm-hmm. uh, leaving the country. Yeah, that's right. the state. Yeah, I, I left the state last week. I was in New York. You're yeah, going to be leaving the state in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're having vacation. So we thought we'd get just a little time in together, social time, mm-hmm. talking, conversation about things that are important as we uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, go out of COVID, hopefully, and go into this new time. Uh, I have entitled the topic for today's podcast, who will lead what's left of evangelicals? Question mark. What a zinger of a title that is, eh? Yeah. And then there's a, like a subtitle, the future of theological leadership in North America. Yeah. That's not, that isn't a zinger, but the first half (laughs) is who will lead what's left of evangelicalism. Do you think there's anything left? Yeah, there's something left. There's absolutely something left. Uh, I'm not qu- quite sure what it's going to look like. I mean, in a couple of years, but there's definitely something left. And of course, there are a lot of people who just want to say evangelicalism is dead. It's over. Let it, like California, let it sink into the ocean <laughs> and let's be done with it. How are you? How are you in that? 
subject? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, I want it to be done or I want it to be over. I would say I participate less and less in evangelicalism as the years go on, just because of what it's become more recently. But I have evangelical roots and a lot of sympathies and you know, a lot of my theology is born out of evangelicalism. And I'm appreciative of that. So um, you're not ready to throw it in the ocean. No, I rarely am I ever willing or wanting to throw any part of the church into the ocean. Wow. Uh, let's, uh, let's spend some moments uh, <laughs> dwelling on that thought. Uh, no, because that's a, that's a good thought. Uh, I think uh, we are in a time, and this is kind of what I want to talk about here with you, is what kind of leadership we're going to need uh, in the future as we're coming out of five years, maybe 10 years, maybe longer of some of the most disruptive times, hmm. some of the most discouraging times, depressing times, destabilizing times. It's been a debacle for evangelicalism. Yes. And so we're going to need a different kind of leader uh, to lead the church. I, I actually think, I mean, I think of one way to understand what's going on here as a regathering of the church mm -hmm. in North America after what we've been through. And of course, COVID-19 and of course the, the racial injustices uh, that have arisen to the surface, meaning they were always there, but we became, many of us became aware on a whole new level, the Trump administration, the truth moments that happened in the last five years, yeah. the anger, the, um, the flat out disillusionment. I saw a statistic uh, Pew Foundation survey. I wish I had. You can, you can go on my Facebook uh, feed and find it, and maybe we can put it in the notes. Mm -hmm. But 7% of white people in North America are willing to claim the label evangelical. 7%? 7. Seven. Wow. Seven. That means if nothing changes, let's say for the next 40 years, and I actually have had that funeral you were talking about earlier in the podcast, <laughs> uh, what's left of the evangelical church is minuscule right, compared right. to what it has been. That's fascinating. 7%. 7%. I need to look at that. I'll put that in the notes too. 7% of, uh, I believe it was millennials or younger, uh, the oh, age okay. group of okay. 16 to 29. Yeah. That's not even, that's, Correct. I can't keep track of what the labels are. For well, I, yeah, I think that's Zoomers, right? Because I'm a, no, I, I'm a millennial still. But anyhow, oh, that explains some things. Yeah, You're a millennial. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's clear we need, we're going to need a different kind of leader with a different approach, understanding to leadership. Uh, to regather the church after what we've been through, we're going to need uh, somebody different to lead what's left of evangelicalism. So mm -hmm. I've got uh, five ideas here that I'd okay. like to process. And uh, I'm counting on you, Mike, to uh, fill in. Fill. Okay, that's what us in the radio business talk about when uh, <laughs> 
tease out the implications. But the first thing is we're okay. going to need, uh, okay, I'm going to call this a woke. That's an interesting word choice. Leader. A woke leader. We're going to need a woke leader. Now, the word woke is exceedingly dangerous word to use <laughs> today, if not problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of Christians that are caught up in you know, echo chambers, places of their own safety, seclusion. Might even call it like the white suburbs. They've been sequestered from all of what's been going on in our culture, including the racialized oppression in our society. I'll I'll put it this way: the gender antagonisms that are everywhere in our culture, the broken and oppressive sexuality systems. We got to do a podcast just to unwind these various mm-hmm. issues that are really present in the wider culture. But you know. Let's just put it this way. A lot of white evangelicalism has at least often been secluded from it. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and so we need awareness. We need wokeness. But here's, here's, here's the different kind of leader I'm going to kind of make an argument for. There is a time for speaking on platforms, writing blog posts, books, calling out the social sins on Twitter and Instagram, bringing awareness. But I want to argue that the leader we need right now is someone who can take the next step. You know, not we, we do need awareness for the racial injustice in our mm-hmm. systems, the ideological frames, the languages, all the things that are going on. We need leaders who can kind of uh, lead in that awakening, but we'll need more than that. Um, and and so uh, what what I want to say is um, we need someone who can uh, take us to the next step. You know, if yeah. language becomes detached from relationship, from connection, right, from humility, from actual discipleship, it turns into antagonism, anger, detachment, conceptualization, ideologizing. It actually turns into uh, uh, the gathering of one crowd over against another. Yeah. And at that point, justice gets put on hold. The mm. actual mm. work of justice gets put on hold and it kind of perpetuates the injustice. And so we need somebody who can lead from awareness to relational engagement yeah, on the ground, concrete, bringing us together working for lament, working for reconciliation, working for restoration. This is the kind of leader, the kind of woke leader we need. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, one of the challenges with a lot of evangelicalism is it has tended to be culturally captive, whether that's in whiteness or whether that's in the suburbs. And that can lead towards distancing yourself from people who are different from you. What I hear you saying is, it's, a, it's an awareness that leads to relationships. So it's, it's not just reading the right book, reading the right books, watching the right documentaries, following the right people on Twitter. It also has to lead to some form of discipleship relationship. Yeah. And this gets back to the issue I was talking about uh, at the very beginning of, of the idea of a woke leader, a different kind of woke leader, is that uh, we are often sequestered as uh, 
white evangelicals from even engaging and being with people yeah. who are not like us. Yeah. I, I can hear people saying, but I'm in the suburbs. I'm white. I'm in the suburbs. People around me are white and they are also in the suburbs. How am I supposed to, you know, cross cultures, cross boundaries, move beyond just being woke? Um, okay, I'm going to say probably something that's not going to help anybody. Okay. Can't wait. But it's going to be bold. Say it. That's how I like my coffee. One word. Okay. Move. <laughs> okay. We can't all do that. Okay. But if you're going to be a leader I, I understand what you're of saying. what's to come, you must put yourself into relational engagements with persons who are not like you. Yeah. Well, well I would also say this. You can find people who are different from you in the suburbs. I would... I'll hold up my wife here as an example who lived over here in a well-to-do suburb for 25 years. And she lived in an apartment complex and everybody in the apartment complex, except for her, were immigrants or refugees. You just have to know where to find it. You just have to look for it. Right. So um, even in the West suburbs, like for instance, I live in Westmont, 38% persons of color, uh, middle, lower middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, there are... Um, Section 8 housing on right. one side of Westmont, uh, almost entirely persons of color, a majority uh, immigrants mm -hmm. uh, of some kind. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you hang with your own people, which right. is frankly the human default, mm -hmm. you're not going to actually do, you're not going to be able to lead, folks. Right. You're not going to be able to lead the future. You're going to be holding a group of people together, bunkered in, uh, uh, till Jesus comes, and yeah. and it's going to be it's going to shrink and die. Yeah. So that's uh, the first uh, point: a different kind of woke leader. Can right. we move from the echo chambers and from doing the work of awareness, which is great, to actually being with? It's what Willie Jennings calls joining with people. Mm -hmm. Doing the work on the ground, mm -hmm. uh, a different kind of wokeness. Okay, um, now I want to talk about uh, a different kind of angry. <laughs> a different kind of angry. <laughs> yeah, because, um, and I and I really do believe this is absolutely essential for the for yeah. the leader of the future who's going to lead us into the future. There's been so much abuse, injustice, oppression racializing, diminishing, coercion, abuse, I already say abuse, mm -hmm. sexual abuse, spiritual abuse. And, and anger is to some degree, well, not to some degree, anger's the appropriate yeah. reaction. Uh, anger is ever going to be present wherever we engage our cultural, our, our culture today. We need a leader though. Well, we need a leader who, first of all, refuses to dismiss the anger. Mm -hmm. But also we need a leader who can help process yeah. the anger or let the anger unwind. You got to have space for the anger. You got to make space for the anger. Hmm. So people cannot really engage the injustices that has been caused in the world um, if they don't have space to process, if the anger doesn't 
actually be processed and go somewhere. Come right. right. You know, I think of Ephesians, be angry and do not sin. Do not let sin go down on your anger. Uh, do not let the sun go down mm-hmm. on your anger. And I think that that's just one of many places, <laughs> often in the Proverbs, often in Psalms, often yeah, in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. But there's other places in the New Testament, you know, Jesus talks about do not say raka or mm-hmm. or objectify your yeah. ang- anger on a person and condemn them to hell. Um, but the point is, don't dismiss the anger. Process the anger. Hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, where you got a bunch of people jealous, angry, quarreling. Yeah. And he says, that's the way of the flesh. Mm-hmm yelling screaming at each other but he's not um that that we have to process what's going on so you got to have patience with the anger you got to allow space to process the anger you got to move the anger into conversation that's a different kind of anger angry yeah. leader it's a different kind of anger what do you think well, did i get that right yeah i i, I think you got it right um the anger needs to be processed and we need to sit in it. And we also have to name it that you're angry. What I see is in response to evangelicalism, a lot of people are, are angry and they're leaving. Oh yeah. Right. So they're angry at evangelicalism. So they're, you know, they're jumping ship or they're choosing to go someplace else. Or in a lot of cases, people just are kind of done, done with the church. And do you think they're angry and leaving because there's no place to, actually be angry in the church hey it's mike again now is the time to apply to become a student at northern seminary we're giving a 50 dollars amazon gift card to everybody who applies and is accepted and we are also giving listeners of theology and mission podcast a free copy of dave's new book what is the church and why does it exist so go to seminary.edu backslash tm apply that's the letter T, the letter M, the word apply, theology, mission, apply. And you can schedule a time to talk with me or our admissions team. We'd love to have you at Northern, learning with Fitch, McKnight, E.J. Gupta, Lynn Coick, our visiting professors like Drew Hart and Greg Boyd. So check out the show notes and you'll see uh, the links where you can apply and find out more information. All right, back to the conversation. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of these churches are set up in a way where you can actually talk about your anger or where you can actually process it constructively. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, folks, uh, uh, the way of the the way of holding anger, repressing anger, coercing anger, or pushing anger out to the side mm-hmm. is over. Mm-hmm. If we don't have places to process anger, yeah. we're not going to move into, if, if, you know, one of the things, uh, kind of elementary things that I know I always think about is there's righteous anger and then there's anger that sins or anger that is just mm-hmm. petulant or anger that is just self-indulgent. There's a difference, but right. you're not going to be able to figure that difference out right. if you don't have a place to sort out your anger and you aren't yeah. willing to sort out yeah. your anger. And so, and by the way, this, this can't happen in one therapy session. No, I, I think it's tied to lament as well. There has to be places in the church where we are actually lamenting what's happened. And I think lament and anger are always going hand in hand. You, you see that in scripture. You see that with Jesus. You know, he, 
when he flips over the tables, he's also sorrowful because they've turned uh, this holy place into a marketplace. So I think we have to provide space for lament with anger um, in, in order to process it and uh, to unwind what's being so you know strongly like codified and calcified in our yeah. hearts. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about deconstruction, a lot of people walking away from the church, you know, angry that they can't even question what they're being taught. And yeah. uh, that, that, that's a, another issue of how we uh, need a different kind of leader. But I think this anger thing is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like me, I'm kind of like the Enneagram 8. Oh, challenger. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> Okay, that's just so not going to work. And if you can't handle leading through anger, maybe you should call on somebody else, like a pastor, mm-hmm. someone with the pastoral gift. I don't even know what Enneagram I, might I no idea. be the best Enneagram. Probably not you, uh, no, Mike Moore. That's not uh, that's my thing. But uh, this this is the kind of this is the kind of leader we need. So the first kind of need a different kind of wokeness mm-hmm. and a different kind of anger. Okay. Uh, my next one is a different kind of inquisitiveness. All right. Inquisitive. Can you be an inquisitive leader? Hmm. Um, these days, I think most people come to an issue of injustice or cultural challenge, and they've already taken a side. They've already taken a side in the issue. Uh, this is our culture. The terms of the debate mm-hmm. have already been predetermined. If you really want to get deep into this, somebody, most people's identity is locked up yeah. in the side that they're taking. I had someone take me on on Twitter at Fitchest, by the way, is my Twitter handle mm-hmm. today. Okay. Because I just put a few facts about the vaccinations out there uh-huh. and the people, uh, 99 point. Five. This is according to the CDC mm-hmm. uh, of deaths in June uh, were people who didn't hadn't gotten vaccinated. I had right. I had a woman go after me for mm-hmm. how dare you supposed to be not divisive? I go I'm, I'm just putting out observations. What is it about the observations you don't like? Right, right. What what about that? Okay, and then I put scientific in scare quotes deliberately. Because I didn't want her to think I was just assuming there's one science at work here. Right. Um, But that's an illustration of how her whole identity, I looked at her Hmm. Twitter handle and it was about medicine, free medicine for everybody or something. Mm -hmm. Be free from medical coercion or something. And uh, um, anyways, all this to say, uh, if we're going to get anywhere in our churches or even among the neighborhoods, we have to find a different way to engage yeah. these people yeah. than the typical approach. I'm going to take this side over against this side. I'm going to argue to death and win my argument. And everybody who agrees with me is going to stay and everybody who doesn't is going to leave. And we're not going to really impact any kind of cultural change, right. any kind of neighborhood issue. We need a leader who uh, frankly knows how to dialogue and ask good questions, inquisitive leader hmm. yeah, this is this is oftentimes repeated i'm sure you've heard this but jesus responds to what two or three questions directly right uh, he's always 
and he himself is always asking questions. He's always finding a way to get to the heart of what people actually want. I've noticed this myself, confession. As I get older, I have a hard time being inquisitive towards people. It takes practice, eh? It does take practice. I, I was just thinking about like 15 years ago when I first you know, started the ministry thing, the pastoring thing, and just conversations I was in. And part of that is because, you know, I was still reading and studying and forming, you know, theology and, and how to lead. But I found the older I get, just the less inquisitive I, I am about things or about people. I just tend to have uh, some categories. So I think it's really the work of the spirit. I think it's like good spiritual formation, good practice to be a person who's inquisitive and asking questions. And, and it takes uh, a certain patience and mm-hmm. skill to ask good questions that you can ask them gently in ways, however, that still jar people, yeah, yeah. that still reveal contradictions, that get us somewhere. And yet you're filled, these questions are filled with grace in a way that opens up space for the spirit to work. Mm-hmm. Process, you know? Yeah. Even heal people through, uh, again, probably the theme that runs through all this in terms of a new kind of leader, a woke leader in a special way, an angry leader in a special way, an inquisitive mm-hmm. people, is is we got to learn how to uh, lead and lead into conversations. Yeah. Foster spaces for conversations. Mm-hmm. So... We have a different kind of wokeness, a different kind of angry, mm-hmm. a different kind of inquisitiveness. My fourth one is truth speaker. Truth speaker. Now, a lot of people out there are going to say, finally, Fitch, we need to speak truth to power. All right. We need to get in people's faces the gross injustices that have been revealed big mm-hmm. for someone to speak truth. And I think both you and I, not I think, I know both of you and I would agree with that. We need, yes. a tr- we need truth speakers. Hmm. Um, but, but the kind of truth speaking, we need a different kind of truth speaking. Yeah. So my model here is the word parousia yeah i see that there p-a-r-r-h-e-s-i-a it's a quite well-known greek word and it's used in places like acts 4 31 describing how the apostles preached Uh often it's translated speak truth boldly but it's Hmm. so much more than that and by the way remember the truth speech of of the apostles and acts led to a revolution of yeah. turning upside down of the neighborhoods for the kingdom. Um, so what, what parousia does is it, it, it says truth is a, a product of your whole self. That mm. when you speak truth, there's a presence there of yourself in the truth. There's no manipulation or pragmatism. There's no mm. motive to convince um, no, this, this parousias pr- approach speaks truth sincerely. Here's a key point. It risks something to say the truth. It risks, I think of, um, 
oh, darn it, what's the name of the woman who uh, spoke truth about January 6th insurrection that Donald Trump should have caused it? Uh, oh, the Republican f- lawmaker? Yeah, her father yeah. was former vice president. Come on. How could we not know this? Okay, let me see here. Um, uh, Beth, uh, no. Um, this is embarrassing, folks. It's live on the radio. I'll go back in here and edit this. Uh, 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 no, you're not. This is, <laughs> we, we must reveal how pathetically. Uh, but she, she spoke out against all of the Republican you know, opposition and said, no, this is a big lie. Biden did win the election. Uh-huh. Trump was responsible for the insurrection, and she got removed from her position. Yes, yes, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Yes, and uh, so I, I kept on I, thinking about Donald Rumsfeld for some reason. I'm like, why? <laughs> I can't stop thinking about Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, Dude, Dick Cheney. We're both losing our minds. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I can't Sorry. believe I couldn't remember her name, but uh, but the point is. Uh, that uh, when she spoke, she, I thought she, look, I'm no Liz Cheney fan. I'm no mm-hmm. Dick Cheney fan at right, all. Right. I'm not even a George Bush fan, either one at all. <laughs> okay. But there's something about a woman speaking calmly, mm-hmm. saying the truth. And no, you know, her political career yeah. is, she's got nothing to gain from this. Right. And that speaks truth yeah. in a way that, and I think that's the kind of truth we need to be able to speak these days. Uh, speak truth sincerely, risking yourself, not doing it from afar as if this, you know, this doesn't affect you at all. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. By the way, uh, Foucault, uh, you, you might be able to link this easy in the show notes, uh, but Foucault gave seven lectures at Berkeley, I think it was in the early 1980s. Okay about parousia and how it was a fundamental political rhetorical tool hmm. that that shaped societies, shook up societies, worked for political change. Okay. We desperately need a new kind of leader, a different kind of leader who speaks truth in a way yeah. which costs you something. Yeah, it's vulnerable. There's a risk there. And you see that in Acts, right? You which see that with costs Stephen. you something. Anybody yes. can say something from a perch afar and, and cast and hurl rocks and stones mm-hmm. and bombs at people from afar. Costs something. Truth costs something and it will yeah. affect something. Yeah. We need a different kind of truth speaker. You might even lose more than a few people from from your church. Yeah, you might, might lose and your most paycheck of them. might take a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sincerely speaking truth to that person will change church, and in the long run, produce change in a culture. So, anyways, the, uh, you got anything to add to that? I mean, I I think we've been going long on this. No, podcast. yeah, I think, we got to wrap it up. I soon, think it's but, good. I think speaking truth well, is. Requires vulnerability, and vulnerability always includes risk. So I got one more. I got yeah. one more. Oh, you got yeah. one more? I yeah. only see four uh, in here. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know if this should count as a fifth one. Okay, let's do it. But um, I I think, okay, I don't know what you'll think about this. And mm-hmm. I, I'm still thinking about this. But I, over and over again, I have, I've looked at the tumult of okay. our churches, or the tumult in our own church. Uh, the anxiety and the pain and the anger that's coming out of COVID. We've been isolated. There's all these conflicts 
unreconciliation. Mm-hmm. There's all this uh, conflict in marriages, all these conflicts in the church. And I just think we need leaders who possess a quiet, an ability to have a quieting effect mm-hmm. that has the presence among conflict and even grotesque and ugly injustice and just be, just say, oh, let's quiet down. Let's calm ourselves yeah. and allow space to listen for God. Hmm. Allow the stories to be voiced. Allow the prophetic speech to be heard, but heard not by shouting, but heard the quiet voice of God. To allow the agency of God to be submitted to. Um, this is a different way of gathering people together, and I think we need it badly. It'll be a different kind of um, power mm-hmm. at work that'll disrupt the evil powers at work in our cultures, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, dislodge ideologies. <laughs> and it will bring communities together that really will be transformed, really be changed. I think of uh, the Acts commentaries by Kevin Rowe and the mm-hmm. Acts commentary by Willie Jennings yeah. and, and how they talk about the kingdom being disrupted by these communities mm. who did these these five things. It's good. A different kind of leader. Mike Moore, do you think you're a different kind of leader? Oof. I think that's something. What, these I think that's five some, things. What's your strength? Well, I, I already said my weakness. Uh, I think By this, the way, most people start with their strength. I commend you for starting with your weakness. <laughs> the, the inquisitive part. I would actually say maybe maybe the woke part, um, which is interesting. I would name that because I normally think of that as being pejorative, but um, I think that's a strength because um, my ministry is typically for the last four years has been cross-cultural. So I'm trying to bridge these gaps between what I read and how I, how I live in the world. And that has actually in many ways made me feel less woke. I think I had more opinions about uh, racial reconciliation before I went into a a black context. And now I feel like I have less opinions because I'm just trying to make sense of all of it. Yeah. Uh, It's amazing how complex things get. When instead of being on your Twitter feed, yeah. you're actually in being with yeah, it, the lives. It, it throws people. you off. <laughs> yeah. I think of these five things, uh, my weakness, I have to, when I say on my game, I mm-hmm. mean, I have to be really dwelling and relying and trusting on the spirit to deal with anger in the midst. Yeah. I flare up. Mm-hmm. I think you've experienced my flare-ups. I have. I've seen it. I got to be on my game. Uh, I mean by that, folks, not on my game like a hockey player, but relying on myself, but really tending to the spirit at work in the midst to not flare up when anger bursts in the midst. Yeah. I have to work on that. I think over the years, I have gotten better at uh, being inquisitive. Yeah. I think asking questions. Yeah, that's true. Constantly question, 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 question. Every once in a while, I'll flare up and say, you blankety blank idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the time, 
I realized that's not of the spirit. And uh, I've gotten better at being inquisitive, asking good questions. Yeah. By the way, Facebook, Fitchest, and Twitter, at Fitchest, have actually helped me, a training ground for me in asking better questions. Yeah. Yeah. It can be redemptive, that's for sure. All right. Well, well, that's that's about it for today. That was good. Uh, oh, do, have you started assessing our uh, podcast for when you said? I good. do. I do rate them. I have a rating system. I can show it to you sometime. on a scale from one to ten. Where where? Um, I got to see how the next uh, sixty seconds. Are gonna go. <laughs> it's, it's a little premature. We, All right. we do have a Brady lecture coming up, September twenty third to the twenty fourth. Yeah, we need to start plugging that better. Yep. Yeah, uh, because Mike Gorman is is for me a key contributor. Yes, especially when it comes to biblical studies on on mission and the church. Yeah, and understanding the dynamics of the way God works. So, folks, we're going to have theology mission lectureship is going to be Mike Gorman. And That's right. uh, do you remember the title that he gave us? Um, I don't remember it. It's September twenty third to twenty fourth, and you should come to Chicago to see this lecture a lot of people want to watch it online i get it we do everything online now but come in person we, we need can, to be in person we folks. can hang out we can go grab a drink we can get a meal afterwards we can be in fellowship and, in the and, flesh and can i plug the breakfast on, yeah. on friday morning plug it so it's thursday night mm-hmm. and then stay overnight and it's yep. friday morning we have a great breakfast hardly costs anything and mm-hmm. we sit around drink coffee have eggs and bacon and and we get to ask really personal ministry yeah. questions of the lecturer and it's a highlight for me yeah so i just encourage everybody to sign up asap yeah. yeah he he's great we've had him on the podcast we'll get him on again when he comes here all right well ladies and gentlemen thanks for hanging with us uh you know we we wanted to get a podcast in and the subject came up so we did it uh if you would uh, give us a review on wherever you listen to your podcast but until uh next time it's theology and mission podcast over and out Mike Moore and Dave Fitch. We'll see you next time.